in a world where most people watch movies and then forget about them. These brave heroes join forces to watch them again and then talk about them. Join them in their epic journey as they go back in time, a decade and beyond, to revisit and break down films from a vast array of genres. Do these movies hold up over time? Are they classics? Find out on Retro Movie Roundtable. Starring your hosts, Brian Fry, Chad Robinson, Destin Melbarnes, Nathan Lutz, and Russell Guest. Coming now to Headphones in Your Ears. Welcome all you lords, ladies, and knights to the Retro Movie Roundtable. Welcome to the show where we watch movies and then talk about them. I'm your host, Russell Guest, and joining me today are all of the hosts of the Retro Movie Roundtable, just about anyway. We have Dustin Melbarnes from Deep in the Heart, Texas. How you doing, sir? Hi there. Happy year-end review time. So happy together. You're not allowed to say hi there like that ever again. (laughs) (laughs) Hi there. Candy cane. From the top left part of the country in Washington State, Mr. Brian Fry, how you doing, sir? How's it going, guys? Happy to be here. Yeah, I'm good. I am also good because also joining us from Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, Mr. Chad Robinson. How you doing, sir? I've got so happy together in my head now, so imagine me so and you and you and me. MVP of this one, Chad. MVP. I can't see me. <laughs> I want to harmonize, but I'm not able to keep up with the song as well. I don't know my I don't know my lyrics as well here, so I just have to oh. go. That explains your rankings. Yes, yeah. the turtles. Come on, man. Yes, yes. We're gonna recap. What we did here in the Retro Movie Roundtable, it is the year 2021 AD, and this was the year that uh, COVID carried over from 2019. We all got vaccines. Uh, there was rioting in the Capitol. President Trump was given a piece of duct tape over his mouth on social media for a little while. Billie Eilish dominated the world, and Elon Musk surpassed Jeff Bezos to become the richest man in the world. And he's well on his way to becoming the next Bond villain, as we discussed in our Bond villain ranking. So let's get into it right away. We're going to recap our rankings of the movies, and then we're going to hand out the year-end awards with a bunch of superlatives. So if you love our superlative section, this is the mother of all superlatives. But let's discuss the rankings. We watched a whopping... Chad, how many movies did we watch this year? 46 movies, sir. I think that's a record. I think it is a record, and that's due to some new hosts coming online. So thank you, Nathan and Dustin, for taking us to the next level and making us more regular, like Activia. Yeah, I watched all those movies. Yeah. <laughs> Activia. <laughs> I, I assign them no credit. This was, this was Brian Fry, myself, and Russell holding it up. I do not share. I award you no points, and may God have mercy on your soul. Right? So our number 46 through 40 section here, Flight of the Navigator is our last place movie at 46. Born on the 4th of July was at 45. The Runaway Bride was at 44. Blank Man was at 43. Mystery Men was 42. And The Long Goodbye was 41. And Akira will be 40. And it's tied with The Quick and the Dead at 39. So we kind of have a two-way tie there to get us started off here. Now this first section here, Let's just, it's kind of a no targeted thing. Dustin, what do you feel about this first entry as we get into our countdown of what we covered this year based on our average ratings as a group? I suppose there's a couple things that I've picked up over my less than a year with y'all. 
we don't always give comedies their due. And I think going forward, we want to do more comedies. And in this instance, we have Mystery Men, Blank Man, and Runaway Bride. All of them would have comedy in their description, and all of them find themselves in the last uh, tier of what we're doing. Um, I'm not exactly sure if that means we don't like comedies. I'm pretty sure it doesn't. I think what it means is that sometimes you get comedies that just don't compare with the filmmaking of the other movies. And we had a lot of good movies this year. But there are you know, certain movies that uh, hopefully don't act as like the paragon or the example of the type of comedies that we'll want to look at in the future. I know that I ranked some comedies very high for this list and some of these very low, including Mystery Men and, um, and Blank Man. That is my first foray into describing this sort of lower tier of this year. Now, Chad, pick us up here. Now, you had a couple of these picks a little bit higher. Like, you like Mystery Men at 22 and Runaway Bride at 26, but there's some that you quite don't like. Like, you had 44 Blank Men and 45 Flight of the Navigator. So tell us about this round for you. Yeah, we've hit childhood nostalgia in the past flight of the navigator is absolutely in the same vein as legend for me of where if you got to these as a child you probably have fond memories and it boosts it i got to this as an adult this is not a watch as an adult type movie for the first time i completely just it doesn't work for me i think this stays in the past uh, 100% agree with and that. And I believe they're in the process of remaking this. I think Bryce Dallas Howard is involved with a new remake version. I think what Chad's trying to say is what makes this a compelling movie into adulthood is how it captures you as a child. And being an adult going straight into it, it it's, it's a rough watch. I, I'll be the first to say that you could compare this movie favorably to a movie like Short Circuit, and I'd be like, how dare you? Short Circuit was a masterpiece. <laughs> and that's because I have that childhood fondness for Short Circuit, whereas Flight of the Navigator, I was just like, you know, I, I get it. I, I get where this could have been for me had it gotten me earlier, but I didn't, and it doesn't. And also doesn't have Steve Gutenberg. Yep. I think it's important to note that the three of you are raising kids. Yes. Um, and there are certain movies where it's like, even if it's specifically child-oriented or very good for kids to watch, regardless of when it came into your life, I, I, I think I would guess here that like Flight of the Navigator mattered to something mattered to you when you were a child, but like for your own kids, are you excited to show them Flight of the Navigator? I'm not sure. No. No, yeah. and run, <laughs> Runaway Bride, I was the high vote. Full disclosure, I did that movie with my wife. I am a fan of Julia Roberts, but there's bias there. Getting to do an episode with my wife is very special, so it causes me to be a little warmer and fuzzier and tolerant of these movies. So I had a charm of, it was a 26, where everyone else was pretty, pretty well around the 40 range, so... I'm not going to apologize for it. It's special, and I love the episodes where I get to do it with my wife. Whoa, Frazen, sorry. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah, me too, brother. Yeah. <laughs> Dustin was now, on Brian, that one. Actually, probably the biggest disparity here in this round, you have the long goodbye, which we did not like very much as a group, but you have it all the way up at number five, so you went to bat for this one, so the, this is the biggest outlier from here. Again, we had it at our 41 movie on the year as a, as a group, but... 
tell us about this one. Like that one strikes me as a little bit odd. I have rewatched it a couple times since we did the podcast, and I do find myself going back to it like on purpose a lot. And it is easily the movie of the year that I have. I like Raymond Chandler as an author. I've gone back and reread some of his work since this, so I feel like my rating not only mirrors what I feel like the what the movie has done for me. It's not necessarily the quality of that movie itself, but its impact on on my year. And I think our second to last movie, Born on the Fourth of July, it looks like everybody kind of kept this low. I mean, its highest vote was thirty five from Dustin, and my, my everybody just. I think we can all agree that this movie doesn't feel good. No, it does no. not. <laughs> it, it does it, not. It is, it is the epitome of the movie that, like, am I sorry I watched it once? No. Would I ever watch it again? Absolutely not. Yeah, like, same. There's no rewatchability. It is a void of rewatchability. It's, it's probably in my bottom ten, like, I prefer to never see this again kind of movie. It's poignant, it's memorable, it's well made, but it's not a good time. And that, 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 I think, I think Chad and I both have those feelings about lots of movies. So I think that's what happened to us. Yes. And I almost feel like I need to reach out to my, my friend, our guest for that episode, uh, Andres. I mean, hey, it was, I don't think he knew what we were going to be getting into when we watched that movie. He just said, let me introduce this. I think we, it was like in the middle of July. It was sort of like an Independence Day themed week or something. We're like, all right, patriotic movie. Oh, no. <laughs> and it was for 10 minutes. <clears throat> and important. Yeah, yeah. Before it gets yanked away from you. So, Andy, hey, great pick. But it got ranked where it needed to get ranked. I, and I just want to follow up on The Long Goodbye. I, I, I ranked it pretty low. And I, I wondered to myself, do other people rank this low you i think people like it a lot it's a classic it's it would be described as classic but the first thing i typed in to google was is the long goodbye boring (laughs) and and i got a lot of answers and would i watch elliot gould act with a cat for a whole movie and give it a better well i can't say give it a better ranking but like elliot gould you could watch him do anything he could eat waffles and you would watch that yeah that'd be great and like i thought to myself like this guy is lupin the third this guy is is very cool to watch and then the movie has you know his neighbors all the tna that they sprinkle in it's almost like they need it to keep your attention of the things that are good about it it i couldn't I wanted just to start this with like snooze fest. I I found myself like zoning out, but I I was looking at the reviews at the time and it was just thinking like the the critics at the time didn't like how Elliot Gould's character was different than the author's version of the character, which is so way beyond. We're not in retro book roundtable, but I mean that's <laughs> that's something that like you I, are I with just me. don't know that yet. Yeah, <laughs> I just didn't know. So I'm I I don't know if it's boring, but that was something that was a question a lot of people were asking. I had the same Google search. I called it the unnecessarily long movie. It, it was a long. It was a long movie. On to one that I'm the outlier on. I had Blank Man way higher than everybody here. I had it at 24, and uh, again, it's our number 43 movie. So, I just to, to I would say to you guys, I don't think you got it. Maybe you need to go back and check out. This is some deep stuff. I mean, I want to jump in right here and give my comedy disclaimer. I want to apologize to our listeners because. There is probably no caveat in this world, no genre that I am harder on than comedies. It's true. And I, I am so fickle 
I'm so picky. I even nostalgia comedies where I go back and watch them again. I had a rough time with Dumb and Dumber recently, and I just and that's something I used to watch on the regular. So I I honestly just want to tell people to probably ignore my comedy rankings. Like it 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 is safer for you as a listener (laughs) to not take my point of view to heart when it comes to comedies because I recognize how hard I am on them. That is a very fair thing to say, and that's a good disclaimer. That's the, why we average all these things together. So being that we kind of had a tie there, our next round here is 39. Like I said, it was a tie. It was The Quick and the Dead. 38 is Enter the Dragon. 37 is Working Girl. 36 is The Out of Towners, and that's the 1970 version. 35 is Out of Sight. 34 is Judge Dredd. 33, JFK. 32, The International. 31, The Adjustment Bureau. All right, let's start with you, Chad. What do you think about this round here? I see that none of these are real high. Actually, none of these movies you were the high voter on. You were the lowest on JFK of anybody, as well as The Adjustment Bureau and Out of Sight. Yeah, so I have a history background. That's where I have a master's degree in. And I think particularly in 2021, I'm also hypersensitive to annoying conspiracy theories. So JFK suffered a lot for being unhistorical in a conspiracy theory. I'm always going to push back on that. So yeah, I was I was very, very low. I was number 43. Uh, out of sight. And Jennifer Lopez, I really expected Russell to take this out harder on her. I feel like you're very hard on Jennifer Lopez, but yeah, bathtub scene, pantsuit, none of it worked for me. But I feel like most of these movies, they're about where they belong. I gotta say with uh, Jennifer Lopez and Out of Sight, I can't remember if it was because I was listening to the podcast episode on this one, because I wasn't on it. Uh, Was this ranked like the sexiest movie of the year? It was it was ranked as one of the sexiest movies of all time, yes. Yes, it's like number 10 or so top all time. Ridiculous. And I would I don't normally go to the top shelf with my words, but I would maybe say ridiculous as well. Yeah, there's some sexy steamy I think the best moment that is like alluring that kind of draws you into that feeling when they're like like meeting at the bar, all those other guys are hitting on her and he comes up. That that part of the movie was the only part of the movie that I felt like, this is good. The rest of it uh, made me feel like, you guys liked this movie? Or that people people really seemed to like buy into it. The soundtrack was atrocious as well. Um, so I, I also ranked it pretty low. And I wanted to give Jennifer Lopez, I want to give Jennifer Lopez anything. But I, 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 want, <laughs> I, I wanted to give her more credit, but I, I, I felt like her, uh, she was one note. And then uh, George Clooney, I much prefer to see him kind of babbling buffoonery than a little too cool. Now, of course, do I like him as Danny Ocean? Yeah. But I got to agree with, like, I think everything falls into exactly where it needed to fall. You know who's not going to agree with us on this very much is Brian. This is like his tier. He's the high voter on almost all of these movies. Quick and the Dead, Enter the Dragon, Out of Sight, Judge Dredd. JFK and the International, all of them on this tier. Fry, you're the high voter on. Gosh, I feel like there's a lot to defend here, but um, (laughs) JFK falls into a bucket where I I do feel like I am a uh, Kevin Costner apologist. I'm a fan. I I 
basically really like almost everything he does. I'm not saying he doesn't, you know, there aren't some stinkers in there, but, uh, but that's why JFK is where it is because I actually do enjoy this movie. Uh, Chad is 1000% right. Um, I'm not taking away from his, uh, his critique on that at all because sure, but just from a film standpoint, I thought it was compelling. Uh, Judge Dredd is a nostalgia piece. I'm a huge Judge Dredd fan. Anybody who plays Call of Duty with me knows I have the comic book version of Judge Dredd as the skin on my Call of Duty. So that's that's awesome. just going to happen. The International was my dealer's choice, so that shouldn't be super shocking. Out of Sight is another crime noir thing. That's literally what I... That's my wheelhouse. That's where I live. So, yeah, I, I this is this is just me being me in this tier so into the dragon like this one really shocks me dustin you're your kung fu guy like this is your thing like you know like chad's horror guy fry's crime guy i'm comedy guy and you're you're a fighting movie guy you're 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 a kung fu guy and bruce lee's icon you have it low and fry has it the highest here what happened it, it is well i mean i definitely said this on the sh- on the show go back and listen on the show but If you want to watch Bruce Lee be awesome, watch The Big Boss or watch The Way of the Dragon. If you go and search for Bruce Lee movies, you'll find a lot of movies about Bruce Lee, but you won't find a lot of stuff he's the star of. And unfortunately, and I never use that word, this is hot garbage. Enter the Dragon is awful. And I told Meredith that and whoever else was the host on that show. I was there. I I saw it. Dude, you, you know... Uh, there was so much about it that made zero sense. There was so much of like wasted potential of what that could be. You raked it high because you love James Bond and spy movies and you thought this is what that could be. Yeah, I was going to say, like, this hit me in my James Bond feels a little bit, which, like, that that helps me out a lot because, as you guys know, I'm like, I'm James Bond super good fan. Yeah, and I know we bounced, we bounced off of the international. I wanted that movie to be so awesome and it fell flat for me, but I was so invested in that. Love Naomi Watts, love Clive Owen, even though I don't tend to see Clive Owen do that much that's awesome. But yeah, the Enter the Dragon was, if we were going to move on to the next tier, I would have had made sure to say, it's just a trick of the mind. Because Bruce Lee is great, you think this movie is great. This movie is, I believe, the worst movie of the year. You guys ranked it higher, saving it from being called the worst movie of the year. It's just so bad. Bruce Lee, awesome, incredible. Everything else about it, off. Man, this was probably one of, one of two movies where we were all very much in line, except for Dustin, because it was 28, 28, 26, and twenty nine, and then there's Dustin at forty two. Well, can, can I rank that as one of the best tirades we've ever had on the show? Yeah, I was going to say that that came out of nowhere. This is late to have like, a tirade. I want to rank. I want to rank that in our top five tirades. Like, there's actually not a whole lot I disagree in his 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 piece there outside of the fact that I just found it to be an enjoyable movie. Yeah. Like it wasn't good because it was good. It was good because it scratches some itches. It reminds me of mortal Kombat, And that, yeah, exactly. Oh dude, that's, that's a great, that, you know, I I got some fighting. I got some, you know, spy stuff. Afro. It's not a good good Afro. It was good. It was good. You'd have a great Afro in that movie. Yeah. He's so underused. That's, that's, that's the reason it's as high as it is. So one one that I feel like I have to answer for is I have Working Girl at 12 and the average rating here was 30 
and uh, it's placed at 37, so I'm way out of line here. This one was nominated for Oscars. It was highly acclaimed. It's got a, it's got a, it's got, it's got clout behind it. I'm really surprised. I was the outlier here. Brian, you weren't on that episode or anything. What is it uh, that's not hitting it for you? Like you're the low voter here, and Chad, Chad doesn't love it either. Yeah. So I watched this movie with my wife. We we were both kind of excited about it, and I think this one hits me differently because i work in a cubicle so the triumph at the end of this film there the song's kicking in it's talking about a new jerusalem and just this hallelujah moment and she's got a cubicle job i understand the context of it but i'm like you're living a corporate cube life and i'm just sad that you're happy about this oh man this one i I love an underdog story and this is what this is so i mean it's it's somebody in a very realistic type of situation. It's a bit naive, of course, uh, especially given when it was made. But I mean, it, it, it feels good to see somebody rise up and achieve something. So uh, I don't know. It just hit me in all the right notes. And having Harrison Ford doesn't hurt either. I want to say one thing about this sort of tier that we're in about the Adjustment Bureau, which I had initially selected for its sci-fi and premise, which was very fun to me. And John Slattery's involvement as a uh, supporting actor was was fun, which is why I even went and saw it. However, I was just looking at the list real quick, and I was thinking an underrated thing about that movie is the romance between Emily Blunt and Matt Damon's character. I'm looking at the like the movies in our list that have romance, right? Where that's a big part of the movie. And I would say that aside from the rest of the movie, that particular quality of the Adjustment Bureau, their seemingly real, almost real world style connection, was something that I hope isn't overlooked whenever anybody looks at that movie. Was that they they're their attraction, their spark between them seems so real. And I didn't want to lose a chance to talk about it again. It's good that you'd mentioned that. And where that's not present is Born on the Fourth of July. <laughs> well, outside of my satire piece on the fact that it's called Working Girl, I, I just, there's, there's a point in time where you can show too much of the devastation that is 80s attire and hair and... Like that that movie's frankly visually offensive. <laughs> I will say I will say the eightiesness does not strike me well and it is it, I mean it's yeah. it is a brutal watch because you're like the world <laughs> existed like this for a period of time and maybe it should have ended there. Like that that might have been aesthetically the lowest part of our history oh yeah certainly i mean it was like it was like we just got off like you know the 50s and 60s and and like uh those were very stylish formal times and then you get the 70s and everyone's loosening up and there's a lot of different you know like things are different in the 70s and then the 80s come along it's just like hey let's just do every let's make cars really boxy women's fashion will be i cry foul giant shoulder pads giant hair i mean buildings will make them goofy yeah. Joan Cusack, get, we don't have a superlative for this, so I'm going to make it up right now. Joan Cusack gets worst hair of the Well, she also gets that in Runaway Bride, which was a 90s movie. I remember Dustin didn't like those hair clips. It bothered him. The butterfly clips, honestly, like, Joan Cusack, I, I don't, it, it, don't take this personally. I know you're a listener, but we're just <laughs> ragging on, <laughs> we're just ragging on the, the attire of the times, not you. Yes. All right, let's go into the next tier. We got a lot of dealer's choices here. So there's, this is probably where the most of the dealer's choices are going to come in, in the highest density anyway. So uh, at number 30, we have The Loved Ones. Star Trek VI, The Undiscovered Country, comes in at 20, 
nine. Dune is 28. Stand and Deliver is 27. A View to a Kill is 26. Silverado, another Kevin Costner movie, is at 25. Amadeus is at 24. Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves, more Kevin Costner if you didn't get your fill this year, is at 23. To Die For is at 22. And Hero, I Need a Hero, at 21. Let's see. Chad, you seem to have the most extremes on this one. You have five of these ranked the highest and three of them ranked the lowest. And you have have the most stratification. Be interesting for us. Tell us things. (laughs) Be interesting. Yeah. So The Loved Ones was my dealer's choice. That was a very popular hit. Everyone loved watching it. I'm sure there will be absolutely no disagreement for it. it. It's a great romance story. Check it out. Amazon Prime. What's fun for me? There's a lot of stratification on that one. Chad goes 11, Dustin goes 22, Brian goes 20, 33, and then I go 46. So it, like it drops in increments of almost 11 across each of us. So it's uh, you won't find anything that's more divided than this one, probably. I will demand an explanation in a minute. <laughs> but Star Trek is the one I want to talk about because Russell Guest banned me from the Star Trek episode. He said, everyone else enjoys Star Trek more than you. You're the Star Wars guy. Stay home. Well, guess who had the highest rating on Star Trek? I don't know what happened here. I I, I thought this was a typo. I'm super happy. No, this warms my heart for Chad. I, uh, this actually made me really happy when I heard about this. We talked about it briefly, uh, before the show. We're going to, we're, we're going to hug it out over this. I, I, I love it. Now, now, where you won't hug it out is Chad said Dune is the 46th movie, and Dustin said that's the 10, and Fry said that's the 12. So you guys uh, are at odds on Dune. Oh my goodness! So uh, yeah, let me let me take my my lumps here. Do you have any idea how difficult it is to make a movie with Brad Dourif and Patrick Stewart boring? I mean, kudos to David oh, Lynch Boo. for his meandering nonsense. I just, ah, David Lynch. This oh, man, that's right. You have a thing with David Lynch where you don't like good directors or something. Yeah. I, I don't like directors that take a novel that clearly don't understand sci-fi and just say, I'm going to do whatever with it. And here's Dune. I love Brad Dourif's character in Dune. I love Piter. He, was, love he, got, my, he got my best quote on yeah. that episode. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. I so are you ready for, for are you ready for Fry to hurt you like or... <laughs> it's not it's not I'm not look I, anybody who listened to the Dune episode or any episode hear... at all this year by the way <laughs> <laughs> well we'll hear that I understand that this film has faults even Dune enthusiasts would probably string me up for saying that I enjoy this movie and that's fine it, it's it's one of those things where. I had something, and even though it was flawed, I held it dear because it's all I had. So Fry said, have some spice and sit back and relax and have a smile with your blue eyes. Yeah, so anyway, I, look, look, I've recommended Frank Herbert's Dune to all of you as a book over the years. Well, Dustin, we've just met recently, but everybody else, I've recommended to you probably 20 years ago aggressively i might add in fact he might have recommended it to dustin while i was in college he's like who are your roommates recommend they read dune i don't know who they are (laughs) (laughs) but the thing is i was never like watch the david lynch's dune like it's that that's not what i'm enthusiastic actually it's it's a a beautiful movie in terms of the sets the wardrobe and stuff like that the new movie is also beautiful but if david lynch did anything well it's created a beautiful visually striking experience 
The storytelling's messed up in that movie, but that's not even his fault. The studio said, hey, you got two movies. And then it's like, oh, by the way, it's one movie. I just picture Fry like a, a weird Gideon. You know, one of those people that puts Bibles in hotels. Except he's got <laughs> Dune. just a suitcase full of Dune books and he's just passing them out. Like, read them. If, read if this. you go to Spokane, Washington and you just happen to be in an elevator and somebody turns, turns around to you and pulls Dune out of his pocket and says, like, have you read this book? And that's Brian, by the way, if that happens to you. So all I know is that ever since the new Dune movie has come out, I have been blasted on Facebook with Fry, you were right. So I kind of want to make a Dune t-shirt like the Magneto was right. And it just says Fry was right. And then a Dune picture on it. That was uh, we knew that was coming. Now, uh, one of the ones that I, I think Brian you loved a lot was Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. Is this just Kevin Costner's enthusiasm coming back for you again? Well, you know, period pieces in general. Um, I've I've liked a lot of bad period pieces in my time. Uh, Would you call Carrie a good period piece or a bad period piece? That's good. Uh, that's see what you good, did there. Russell. Nice. Um, <laughs> it, it's it's more about the time in which it was released. I, I am a Costner fan, so I'm not going to back away from that. His mullet in that movie is hideous. It's gloriously hideous. Christian Slater w- was was a little rough, too. But Morgan Freeman fan, uh, Alan Rickman fan, it, was a, oh, it yeah. was a very compelling story. I feel like the action sequences were awesome. And it's one of the first movies that really got me into the very, very epic period piece you know the gladiator kingdom of heaven like the ones that really spin i I can't wait to see the last duel so like these really hardcore gritty knights and armor period pieces so uh i give it a lot of credit for for doors and windows that it opened up for me i was not very extreme on this tier i had very few high and low mark moments but my my outlying high moment was very high i i like to view to a kill the james bond movie way more than everybody else here it's probably no because I, i'm probably because i'm a 007 fanboy but uh so that's your explanation case in point but i love this movie and i'm sad that you don't you can be a fanboy but have bad taste this is bad taste oh <laughs> at no point in time if i were if i were introducing my daughter age appropriately to james bond the first movie she watches would never be a view to a kill. Nope. Like we could would, go twenty deep, and it's not. Yeah, <laughs> it would be buried on her. It would be buried so deeply. And what she got to take that back. P.S. Listen to our Bond rankings episode. Can I just say, in this area, I feel like this is where I get to the point, and maybe this is me just being positive all over everything, which is, I think this is where I start to get into, I don't have any of these movies that I would consider bad, I just would consider all the ones above them Oh, a thousand percent. Yeah, you, you, Dustin has none Absolutely. of the low votes at this tier at all. This is definitely an, an ambivalent tier for him. Again, Brian has a number of the downturns here, so, uh, you know, like, Silverado surprised me, though. Brian tends to be a supporter of the Westerns, and boy, you did not, like, stand and deliver, Fry. That was the other one that really shocked me. It's purgatory for me. I, I just, I don't care. I, like, the movie was just very, eh, all right. Like, I, I, I don't hate it, but I didn't like it, so... It's it's so you punished it to the bottom of your rankings. 
Well, I think this was a fun thing, too, was I don't know how frequently in the past before this year anybody had brought in a dealer's choice that was new to them as well. I think we had kind of had the idea that dealer's choices were sometimes your favorites. No, things no, that you... I, I go for things that just the show needs that I, sometimes that I'm just eager to see a movie I haven't seen. And so I, I can I, I guess I kind of like here that this biopic was like better ranked than like to say JFK. Like, I, I, it, especially because it was about somebody that didn't have, we'll say, uh, worldwide recognition. But yeah, it's it's something that I guess with Fry, with what you were saying, like, I don't think it was that great either. Uh, I saw it the, the two times for the show and I feel like I'm good. I know the story. I, right. liked, I liked the almost performance, uh, which specifically another reason why I had it as a dealer's choice, because uh, Edward James almost was my least favorite character in, in uh, Blade Runner. So like being a part of that movie like like seeing it the two times i saw i was like yeah i'm good this is a cool story but i'm good to move past it which i'm ambivalent might be the word but i'm just sort of like yeah that was cool for what it was but i would bet that biopic is probably like with kung fu one of the one of the like uh categories of movies we don't cover so much for those of you who who aren't on our skype call uh the me knifing myself is dustin saying that almost was his least favorite character in blade runner one that strikes me as odd for this one is chad you're not mr western guy fry is but you liked silverado a lot and fry not so much oh silverado was so much fun i just I I was enchanted by the movie. It just had a great spirit. It it wasn't the gritty, down in the dirt western, which is probably the conflict for Fry. This was not Tombstone. This was not Unforgiven. It was a whole lot more energetic, upbeat, and fun. Uh, so that's that's probably the disconnect there. Yeah, I do I do prefer my westerns to be a little bit dark. Uh, I mean, Deadwood is is still one of my favorite shows. I will say this too, that uh, just based on kind of how we've talked about our rankings so far and what ends up being at the bottom, there are only two movies that I felt so strongly about in this that I wouldn't watch again. And one of them is Born on the Fourth of July, which we talked about already. And the other one was Mystery Men, because I hate, hate, hate Ben Stiller. <laughs> oh, so outside of that, I don't have strong opinions in terms of hate for any of the movies we watched this year. So Working Girl, uh, Enter the Dragon for Dustin, uh, you know, yep. Blank Man, like Runaway Bride. Some of these movies are at the bottom of my list just because I'm like, ah, they're, you know, if it's take it or leave it, it might be leave it, but it's not like pitchforks and torches. That's actually a really good yeah. way of putting that, Fry, because I'm the same way. I mean, there's only like two movies. I really was not that into The Long Goodbye. It was fortunate I wasn't on that episode because I, I would struggle to muster the, the positivity that it takes to do that show. And the other one was The Loved Ones, which was... Um... Explain <laughs> yourself. Explain yourself now. It, the pulpit is yours. Oh, I mean, I just felt like it, it was... Uh... A movie that didn't have a lot of things didn't connect in the story. There were things that were going on, and if edited, you wouldn't probably have the proper length of movie. So it was Chad. I want to talk next. <laughs> and I also am not a big fan of just like showing a lot of gore, which is what the trademark of that movie is. And so I'm more I'm more in terms of the building suspense and character development. And this movie is about showing you brutality and as its main calling card that's what people will remember it for and it is memorable but it's not enjoyable for that reason and i just don't think it uh, i don't think it has the craft of character and story that 
I'm looking for in a horror movie, and I know you guys had a great time with it, but this is one that I would, I would recommend people not watch. Look, I had this fairly low on my list, but again, it was just a victim of the fact that there were things I liked better. I had such an amazing time watching this with my wife because she went into this movie doing notes for her patients and literally stopped doing everything she was supposed to be doing and started watching this movie. So from a um, attraction and like from a point where you can't really stop watching it, I give it a lot of kudos because most of the time she ignores the hell out of everything I watch. And like, I give it kudos for that. But it's, in terms of the brutality goes, I feel like you've got to have a certain amount of that to make a compelling uh, horror movie these days, especially, you know, once Dawn of the Dead turned the corner on, you know, what zombie movies were supposed to be doing or maybe even uh, 28, 28 days, days later. later I like, think it's yeah. So, like, you know, it things got, you know, the bar was raised. So this happening in a more rural atmosphere in a different country and how they did it, like I actually applauded a little bit um, based on the fact that this was one of the more original pieces that came out better than I expected. Yep. The, the whole goal was to produce a memorable movie. Uh, that's been the criticism of my dealer's choice horrors is they're not memorable. So. Oh, well, mission accomplished. Yeah, don't don't badmouth Chad's uh, uh, dealer's <laughs> choices. He will overcompensate. So with the loved ones <laughs> and with to die for, I think both of these in this tier accomplish something which is making you feel uneasy. Um, a, a certain like the I I know I've said it before, but the role of the artist is to make you feel. And in both of these movies, things are off and things are weird, and that that normally gets a pretty good ranking from me or just a good experience. Is ooh, I didn't know I'd be feeling that way. To Die For is just such another animal for me. It, it reminds me a lot of Jake Gyllenhaal's performance in Nightcrawler, where it's just like awesome. The, what happens when a person? What happens yes. when you strip away the morality? that most people will have to stop and blind ambition uh, completely takes over. And the results are something that's like so foreign to anything. Uh, it, it really does create an interesting character study. And the acting performance there was, was really good. So that was an unexpected one to come to my plate. I hadn't heard of To Die For. I was surprised. I wasn't excited going in, but I, I thought it was interesting. In the 20 to 11 range, we have The Sting coming in lower than expected, The Titanic coming in at 19, 1963's Pink Panther coming in at 18, Get Shorty at 17, Fargo at 16, Apocalypse Now at 15, West Side Story at 14, Invasion of the Body Snatchers at 13, Laura at 12, Blade Runner at 11. I think Brian needs to say something because this is our first time a number one movie's come up and it's the lowest ranked movie for someone who picked this as their top movie and this surprises me blade runner is our number 11 movie brian you did your best you gave us your number one ranking what happened here uh chad chad someone... ha- I'll, I'll answer that chad happened he ranked at 42 <laughs> for some reason but um but explain explain chad why this makes you sad so i i did superlatives for for our rankings and i said for this one i've done questionable things which is a blade runner quote uh, you know what? This just doesn't work for me. It's bleak. I straight up don't get it. I will admit it. I don't get it. 
I've tried a couple of times, haven't seen the modern movie, and this movie makes me never want to. It has all the components of Harrison Ford. I want the sci-fi. I want this new age background, but it just nothing works for me. I found it dull. Dystopian futures are not your thing, Chad. I like Judge Dredd. I like Judge Dredd a lot no, a more point. than this. So, so this hurt me to see Fry at number one. I was just like, oh my, oh, I feel, I feel terrible. Yeah, Fry. If someone held a torch to my feet and said, pick your favorite movie of all time, Blade Runner would likely be what I scream out. Oh, I, I, I am actually am a fan of dystopian stuff. Uh, when Hunger Games came to pro- prominence and they really started pushing this, uh, you know, dystopian future, a lot of the young adult novels went that direction. Film followed suit very quickly after. I was like, okay, I'm pretty much game for this. But this was a, in, in the same suit of Alien, like this was that dark, that bleak, that, you know, it's raining half the time. I, I just, I, the tone, the visuals, the acting in this, the, the philosophy. There, there's literally a book that's Blade Runner and philosophy. This was seriously right up my alley. So not only are you giving me, giving me all the sci-fi that I adore, but you're also giving me a lot of the philosophy that I frankly believe in. I guess the reason that I get behind this so much is because it's a much maligned movie based on constant edits, other editions, and that sort of thing that, you know, getting out the word took so long based on people trying to get in the way. So that also appeals to me where, you know, director's trying to say his piece and someone's trying to say no. And I will say this, Denny Villeneuve, he did with the second movie, he did this justice. And that's why I was a hundred percent behind him doing uh, a Dune remake. There it is. Yeah, I know. Yeah. He had my trust. He already had my trust. So, so to, to wrap it all together, you have a movie that I love. You have a director that I also follow outside of legend. Um, and <laughs> I've, <laughs> it's gotta, it's gotta be said. But anyway, I mean, this leads to, you know, the, the promised land of me getting more of what I like. So. Yeah, and this was, it's worth noting, this is our biggest gap. Like, the next closest, lowest rating is 13. So I am a statistical outlier here. As with Fry, with comedies, don't listen to a word I just said. Everybody else enjoys this movie. I'm a a weirdo. I'm Gonzo here. So just uh, (laughs) ignore the man behind the curtain. You want to know about another big disparity, though? Dustin had Titanic at four and Fry had it at 38. Yeah. I just don't care. I, I don't. We had to see it in school. I just don't care. Ooh, that's an interesting like, point. Wow. I understand what a production it was, and I applaud what they did, and I understand it's a remarkable movie in its own right. But in terms of me watching it again, I don't care. I just don't. It's just, it's one of those movies that. You know what happens. uh it's one of those movies where i just like i get it i get it like all of the pieces are there to make this a a groundbreaking thing and i recognize it but for me personally i don't care wow i I just don't yeah i i had that opinion initially but you know returning to it i with more mature eyes i i I kind of was like no i I get it. it 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 is good so you would have won me over better without the romance piece. There wouldn't be a lot left. 
Well, no, I mean, if they made this, you, you're what telling you me you can't watch make the a captain, drama. Like, do you want to watch the captain like behind the wheel being like, uh oh, uh oh. Captain's a good uh, captain's a good character. When the initial Bonnie and Clyde movie came out, it was all about them. They were superstars in their own right at the same time. Everybody was a fan of Bonnie and Clyde, regardless of how many people they killed and whatever else bad stuff that they did. They were like pro Bonnie and Clyde. Now, recently, Netflix comes out with a movie basically making heroes of the two guys who take them down. They were literally the antagonists of the Bonnie and Clyde movie, and they made that movie. So you can't tell me that you can't give me a polarizing movie as any but anything else in the Titanic story, but you have to make a sappy romance of the scrappy guy who falls in love with the girl out of his station. Like, that's insane. There's no way you can't give me something more compelling than that. Well, what might appeal to you more is a guy who hires to have his wife kidnapped, and then people get put into wood chippers, and there's a murder mystery, and it's cold, and there's a lot of snow, and the movie yeah. Fargo. Oh, yeah. Fargo. Yeah, so this is, this is an interesting one for me, because Dustin has this at six, Brian has this at nine, and it's like this split. Chad has it at 24, and I have it at 35. And I like this movie, by the way. This just speaks to the strength of the movies we do, but... Uh, you guys really like this movie, and Chad and I are not quite on the same page with you. I, I, I think that I'm detecting the darkness is something that appeals, obviously, more to Fry. But I think, Dustin, you might have a little more darkness in you than Chad and I do. Yeah, you're right. Uh, it's, it's, these, it's these movies that there's something under the surface, or uh, it's uh, just a, a central theme. I, I, I totally... Uh, uh, like agree with your just analysis that like if there's something dark about it then i will be drawn in a little bit before i forget because I, you know i'd love to talk more about fargo uh, in fact uh, maybe a superlative or two went that direction whoa that's a tease whoa the thing that surprises me here is that based on the way that some of us are so out there compared to what everyone else says it just seems strange to me that like a titanic according to retro movie roundtable According to this podcast episode, it's like this group thinks Get Shorty is higher ranked than Titanic. Like that, that to, to me, that seems wild. And and if the reason is because we have Fry says, yeah, I just don't. Fry said it's that. a Leonard Elmore book. So have you read that? <laughs> no, this isn't retro book roundtable. Still one of the funniest. <laughs> still one of the funniest <laughs> phrases I've ever heard <laughs> on our podcast. But um, I'm such a huge Coen Brothers fan. Anyway, in fact, I'm currently keeping. I'm keeping track of on Twitter. I believe they're doing a uh, like it's almost a March Madness style bracket of best Coen Brothers characters going up against each other, and people are voting and giving their reasons with the cast of Fargo and with the types of conversations or even just uh, dialogue between the characters. It's just just incredible. I don't know because I you know I wasn't on that episode. Would have loved to have been on that episode, but without putting the deep dive back into it, it's just something that I know I can rewatch every every year if not you know twice a year it's it's just great i also strangely speaking of like liking dark things i also really like movies i don't know if this sounds super strange but i like movies that make me feel cold oh i actually agree with that i i really right? gravitate toward like arctic one of my favorite x-files episodes was the one that happens up at that like the we aren't who we are episode fry like, does love the thing 
Yeah, the thing. That's what it made. It, it's like an homage. The thing. Great, great example. Great example. So no, I'm a hundred percent behind you on that. I almost instead of adjustment bureau, I almost said we got to do the gray. That all happens in Alaska. Oh, uh, that's the a good one. Eight. Yeah. Uh, like like movies that make you. For some reason, I get I get drawn to these movies that make you feel cold. Fargo is it, and it's just so funny, too. Yeah, it, th- there's a dark humor aspect to it that's that's money. The desperation so, and anxiety in William H. Macy's face. Like, like there's so yeah. much that is, yeah, it's it's very good. This tier is probably my tier that I pushed the hardest. I, I, I have the highest number of high rankings in this one. I have The Sting, Pink Panther, Get Shorty, West Side Story, and Laura all ranked the highest of, of all of these votes. And I gotta say, uh, these these are ones that I did have a good time, and I think I'm noticing. Obviously, I do like a little bit of humor, and whether it be the sting, I love Get Shorty, and Laura's not funny, obviously. But um, and then anytime you bring Laura is hilarious. <laughs> uh, no, oh God, the quick there's it's witty. That sorry, that's what Laura, especially with Waldo's character, he's just so fast. Maybe that's that's not what I'm. I didn't mean it's hilarious, but but it's he's such a quick wit. That's what comes to my forefront. Yes. So I, it's just it's it. I and it's just interesting. If this was a tier, this is this is my tier that I helped push the hardest, and and I think Fry pushed against me the hardest as well too. Because West Side Story, he pushed pretty hard back down at thirty. Pink Panther thirty six. Again, the Sting thirty five. So uh, it's interesting. Fry and I seem to be the yin and the yang. I don't know. Which which one do you want to be, Fry, Yang or Yen? It's funny because I, I do enjoy musicals, but it's something I enjoy more live than I do on film. Uh-oh. So I, I feel like film representations of musicals often fall flat for me. It doesn't matter how good they are. It's just it's something I'd rather see on the stage. That's true. It's not fair to the movie. I, I'll, I'll cop to that immediately. But I think the reason that it got such a lower... Because I struggled with that one. I, I can't tell you how many times I bounced West Side Story around. Because I'm like, it's not a bad movie. It's really not. And I don't want it to seem like that from my rankings. But like after you've seen a good Broadway musical, like you don't really want to see it any other method. And you definitely don't want to see it in a movie form. I've seen this one in a stage performance, and they do take on a very different life. I think there's a difference in, like, ones that aren't made very well. Like, I mean, I've seen Hairspray live and... Cats. Yeah, okay. Cats, 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 cats no, is a big difference. Cats. Disparity that of is... play to movie or Hairspray or... I think Phantom of the Opera was a big letdown in movie format. But then again, there's other times where there's a movie that, like, The Music Man, Guys and Dolls, I mean... There's just some of these in West Side Story. It's one of them where it's just like... Little Shop. Yeah, Little Shop, I mean, which we'll cover soon. The movie takes on its own life, and there's something special there, too. So I can have it both ways. This this was a strange tier for me. Like, to Dustin's point about Get Shorty being higher than Titanic, I'm not ostensibly saying Get Shorty is a better movie, but for me, a lot of these movies are... I would rather watch this than yeah, another movie again. You know, uh, Fargo... I didn't know what to do with. I, Chad, I be- Chad texted me. He goes, I watched Fargo. I'm not sure. Did I like this movie? Yeah, I am bef- <laughs> I'm befuddled by this movie. I don't think it's good. I don't think it's bad. I think it's entirely like I considered not ranking it. It's it's in its own thing. And I one last thing, Dustin, I think this was my second episode with Dustin. It was Invasion of the Body Snatchers. 
And our other guest was named Chad, and it was the most confusing episode. It was great for it to happen on Body Snatchers. We were slowly turning everyone into Chad, and he had to resort to, like, last names, and it was just this struggle. Dustin had become a new host. Like uh, yeah, I assimilate. It, by the end of the episode, I definitely become your third host, Chad. Uh, yes. Yeah, so that that was a lot of fun in a weird situation. I wanted somebody to be on there, Brad, so you could go Chad, Chad, Brad, and then like kind of have like an airplane, like Roger, Victor, Vector, and like <laughs> what? And then we all start a fraternity afterwards. Yep. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the top tier here. These are these are the cream of the crop, the bee's knees. Sorry, Fry. Blade Runner didn't make it into this. I blame Chad for that one. Um, but I'm sorry. The averaged out top ten. Of Retro Movie Roundtable for the year 2021. Number 10, Psycho. Number 9, Little Shop of Horrors. Number 8, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. Number 7, The Muppet Christmas Carol. Number 6, Scream. Number 5, Sunshine. Number 4, The Departed. Number 3, 12 Angry Men. Number 2, Beauty and the Beast. And number 1, wait for it, The Exorcist. Dustin, I don't think you like the top of our countdown as much. You you have four of the low votes of this of this tier, and all three of the top three movies you are the low voter on. Are you upset with these rankings? <laughs> no, no, I'm not upset with these. You got hate in your heart. He said, "I'm not upset. I'm not upset. I'm disappointed." Like giving yeah. giving the dad <laughs> like boo this no. man boo. No, 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 not at all. I, I actually I think this is a, an excellent top ten list. 12 Angry Men probably should have been number one. Yes. Save for you, yes. That's true. Chad had it at number one. Brian had it at two, and I had it at four. So this is kind of a Wizard of Oz scenario. Back back when we did Wizard of Oz, Chad tanked it, I believe. Or was, I'm still was proud it? of that. Yeah. Well, let's, let's not make it, let's not make <laughs> it into like this was a hit job on 12 Angry Men. But, <laughs> but I, w- I do want to say, Brian brought up like about Titanic. Like We watched this in school. Of all the movies we covered, maybe of all the movies anyone's ever covered, 12 Angry Men is the number one lesson to learn. It's the number one in terms of what do you take away from this movie, whether it's about due process, whether it's about not making snap judgments or reading a book by its cover. There's a whole lot of things about what's good about this movie. And I watched this in high school twice, once for an English class and once for maybe a civics class or something. So does it deserve... It's accolades for what the message is. Certainly it does. But when I was looking at how to rank these movies, I was looking at like entertainment. And I was looking at some of these movies are big and some of these movies are dark and some of these movies are weird. And some of these movies, let's face it, are Muppets. You know, that's going to get a great review from me. So when I was looking at 12 Angry Men, I don't think you three are wrong for ranking it high. I just think like what it's good at is a lesson about the the goodness of listening and open-mindedness and the things that it's lauded for. And yes, it also was nominated for awards. I don't know which ones it won. So I, I think it deserves its place. But as far as like the entertainment of what is provided, you see a 12 white men in a one set room only a couple times before you're like, okay, I know the lesson. Like that Titanic. Yeah, I know it sinks. Like I know what this is. I'd rather watch something else. It's not like I tanked this thing on purpose. It's just that I know what it what it is, and I'd I'd love to be surprised by like Laura, for instance, was new to me. 
or some, some or, or sunshine like some of these other movies really stood out as impactful whereas maybe it's unfair to say the impact of 12 angry men has already been ingrained in the way i live my life i'm i don't need it anymore i'm going to excuse that because dustin you have made me proud uh-uh you you were the representative for horror i was not the number 1 with horror you were yeah. <laughs> so yeah. So let's yeah. We we should call out the fact that yeah, the number one selections here. Chad had Twelve Angry Men, which we just talked about as his number one, and Dustin had Scream, which finished out at six as his number one. It's a perfect movie. Yes, and I had The Muppet Christmas Carol as my number one, which I probably need to explain myself later. But let's go. <laughs> let's go on. Chad just wants to credit you, Dustin. Like from from the from the tank job, which is not as egregious as the Wizard of Oz tank job of twenty nineteen. <laughs> <laughs> disagree <laughs> i'm taking down toto he had um how to lose a guy in 10 days over. how to lose a guy in 10 days is a better movie than wizard of oz Yikes. you know what those flying monkeys were the best part That's kate it. hudson wearing a yellow dress causes uh wizard of oz to get knocked down i'm still recovering over it it's not sitting well with me even as i sit there i have to adjust my chair i'm not <laughs> yeah I'm not to be happy. fair i i understand russell yeah yeah <laughs> i understand sorry sorry <laughs> i don't want to say you I get like thunder. three different metaphors in one <laughs> yeah tell, tell me about scream i'm flustered by kate hudson's yellow dress <laughs> Scream, I, I didn't realize how great it was until examining with the critical eye. I think it was the, the best movie we, we did this, this year. If there was like a, a web of different qualities, or uh, if this were some type of video game and there were like different stats and stuff, it would have high stats in everything. And so like, like that's why it earned my number one. It, it, wasn't, it wasn't like a joke to put it up there. I wasn't trying to be meta with it. Like it was just like, whoa how how did i not realize that the enjoyment i got from scream was because it's perfect and some of the other high marks i gave to horror uh that was actually just due to this year that i realized man i i like horror a lot more than i thought that's so much psycho though so, i don't i don't know why like when i said we were in like the third the 20 to 30 rankings that's when i said we're not in the area where I think these movies are worse than others. We're in the area where I think other movies are better. Got it. Uh, like that's, that's where I made that turn. So yeah, the, do, the things that I put down in the 45 list, yeah, they just, I, I was pretty adamant about why I would put them there. But this, yeah, I, it, I don't, Psycho, uh, I, I don't know why it didn't make its way up the list more. But I do, I do hold that movie in high regard. Uh, I love the music of Psycho as well, not just that particular, you know, re, re, re. Like every, everything about Psycho is good, but that doesn't mean like that that its place on the list means I was down on it. Yeah, but yeah. Horror was huge for me this year, thanks to Chad, or I guess thanks to Robinson, not Durant. What Durant? You were a great guest. But. Chad has a kindred spirit here uh, with that. No. Yes. I'm, I'm sitting here just grinning like the Cheshire cat. Like, finally, one of them understands. <laughs> now, The Exorcist, I think we should talk about it. It's our number one movie. And then for historical documentation here, it joins L.A. Confidential and Alien as our number one exclusive classes here. So it's in high regard here. Nobody... Selected The Exorcist as the number one movie. It actually had rankings of six, nine, eight, and two. So it's just interesting. Nobody kept it out of their top ten, and that's a very interesting thing. And it's it's kind of interesting also that The Sting 
which was you know down at 19 for us won the oscar for best picture that year but the exorcist which was also nominated for best picture we have all the way up here at number one so just interesting things of what's holding up over time i think everybody gets their day like obviously for uh, la confidential i was like yay so i'm i'm happy the exorcist is, is here for this because it is an excellent movie and it should be and and i like seeing various genres get there but i mean i was leading the charge for la Conf- confidential so i'm super excited that you know we're, we're showing that uh solidarity and terms of various uh genres yeah i mean the exorcist demands it i gave it number six it's it's not my favorite horror movie we did scream is my favorite along with dustin but the exorcist is just excellence what stunned me though was the number two particularly from fry with beauty and the beast you know, we were on that episode and you, you gave it a five star, which is a triumph because along with comedies, Fry will tank <laughs> animated features. I think Fry's just going to come back and say this was a hard list of movies to, you know, whittle down at the top. hundred hundred percent. And and again, I've I've said that I'm not an animated movie driver. Do I think it's maybe the best animated movie I've ever seen? hundred percent. But it's also not something I'm digging up for my own personal enjoyment on a regular basis. So, you know what else you're not digging up? Little Shop of Horrors. That's the lowest ranking of anybody in this tier. Again, but that goes back to your musical thing as well as your comedy thing. This is in a Venn diagram. Yeah. This is on the outside of everything. Well, and a weird fact here is if there's a green puppet, Fry disliked it because it also happened to Muppets Christmas Carol. Oh, yeah. You definitely hit the Muppet Christmas Carol back down pretty hard which was my number one and i think i think we talked about it on that episode very recently so i won't go too into it but this is the movie i've watched the most of any of these it's my it's my family's christmas movie that we return to along with home alone and christmas vacation like but i mean this one to me is just really comforting and it has a family connection to it and i even watched my little son point to the disney plus screen wanting that you know he's watched it about three times since we even did the podcast like uh, it's already translating and passing down so there's something really magnetic and special about that so i'm totally biased in saying that objectively yes 12 angry men beauty and the beast and the exorcist and some other movies that are ranked really high up are great it's just hard to get around those things that you know they they wrap their hands around your heart what did you guys rank? I have a feeling I may have potentially tanked another top candidate because I ranked Beauty and the Beast 14. It, yeah, it had it a was, shot. It had a shot, for sure. I was it 11. Was 4, 11, and 3. Oh, Russell okay. was 3. I was number 4. It's my wife's favorite movie of all time, so that has some influence. But yeah, number 14. You did... You, you tanked... You almost tanked The Exorcist. I, I do think you tanked 12 Angry Men as well, so... Oh, yeah. Yeah, you you definitely... This was... We've been over this. Fry insisted on this movie, <laughs> and I did not want it at all, and I now think it's one of the top five best movies I've ever seen. It was my number one. We got a short list from a high school friend of ours, and I sent out a text. I was like, we're doing 12 Angry Men, right? Like... We're yeah, doing right? 12 Angry Men, right? So we did 12 Angry Men. This movie is like a band book for me. I mean, it's this is a everyone must watch this. It is yes. important to the world that everyone see this movie. It is a message that needs to be 
I remember the first time I watched it, it blew my mind. Can I talk about Sunshine real quick before we go into that? Sunshine was uh, at the behest of uh, a, a fellow host, past host, John Flack, uh, had me watch this movie. And it's one of the movies that literally changed my perception of how I've watched movies. This movie, I'm, I'm happy that everybody had it so high because it really was that good. Like, it, it is such a good movie. And no one ever talks about it. This is this is going to go down as one of the most unrealized, fantastic movies of all time. And to our audience, if you have not watched Sunshine yet, please do. It was on my it was on my queue for years because once Ex Machina came out, I was like, "Who is this Alex Garland guy?" Oh, oh, okay, he's the guy who did Twenty Eight Days Later. But then I was just like, "I need more from this guy." And you're right, Fry. Like when I got to it, it was so rewarding. It's just like I'm. I'm the movie is phenomenal. Alex Garland puts his name on it. I'm there every time now because X Machina was so good and Sunshine was so good. I was the low man here at 16, but I passed it on immediately. I have a sci-fi friend that I said, hey, watch this movie. I just had 15 other movies that I liked better, but this is excellent. It was new to me. It was something that I was excited about. So I, I'm so grateful to this podcast for introducing me to stuff like 12 Angry Men, Sunshine, you know, even even the dealer's choices, the the Laura's, the stand and delivers everything, everything that's new to me that I'm enjoying. I was basically ready to defend Sunshine to my death, like it was going to be the hill I stood on. Didn't need to. At, 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 at like before the the ratings were compiled, I was like, I am. This is the hill I die on. <laughs> stand down, sir. And, and the, yeah, so the fact that it came out at number five, I was like, oh. Yeah. <laughs> Speaking of passing it on, when I, when I was watching this movie, my, my roommate came home from work and I was maybe 15 or 20 minutes in and he just asked a question. And by the time I gave him an answer, he'd already sat down on the couch and he just sat there and watched the rest of the movie with me. Like he was like, he'd never heard of it. I, even though I love the cast, like he's somebody that wouldn't recognize who Michelle Yeoh is. He's, he's young. So like there, it, it was incredible. It, it was, um, a big surprise for me how great sunshine was yeah now as we transition out of this what was your favorite dealer's choice that somebody else from the from the crew here of the knights of the round table suggested for you chad what, what, what was that for you so my favorite dealer's choice that was outside of my selection was the pink panther i thought it was hilarious i'm glad i was introduced to it i had a great time on the episode just Recounting the scenes and laughing along with the ridiculousness, the car chase, the gorilla suits. I loved everything about this movie that I immediately watched the sequel. Great choice, Russell. All right. Dustin, what about you? What was your favorite dealer's choice that wasn't selected by you? Uh, my favorite, my highest ranking, and I, I gave it the number two uh, ranking in my list, was uh, Monty Python and the Holy Grail. When watching it and during the episode, I realized just how important that movie was to my own sense of humor like the things that i find funny probably like i i think i i said it on the podcast as i don't remember a time when monty python wasn't in my life like because this started like my clock of memories as to what i find funny or the type of things i like to see whether it's silliness or a really clever joke uh, so uh, it's definitely that if you were asking about like a movie that was introduced to me through dealer's choice it would be laura and there was much rejoicing. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fry, what about you? 
Uh, I would say Lara would probably be my my number one based on rankings, but I will also give a nod to Chad's loved ones. I don't think I ever would have stumbled across this movie if it hadn't come across my screen for Retro Movie Roundtable. So hats off to both of those. And I'm going to kind of treat it like Dustin did. Beauty and the Beast is something I was well acquainted with, so it was my favorite of the dealer's choices. That was one that Chad had selected, but... I kind of put the Star Trek series down after Star Trek five and I hadn't really continued on. So Nathan kind of urged me to go a little bit deeper and I got really back on board and had a fun time with Star Trek six. That was a very fun episode to be part of, even though it was very much out of my element and I was out Star Trek by two people who were hardcore. I I now know what it feels like when I talk bond around other people. (laughs) I'll be honest with you, Russ, like we're not, or at least I'm not like, I'm I'm very much a dilettante when it comes to it. Like I like what I like. I don't really do a whole lot of background on my stuff. Not like I used to do with Star Trek or Star Wars. Yeah, Russell, you think that's rough? Try being the host of the Dune episode with uh, with Brian <laughs> and Ben. Oh yeah, the Brothers Fry. Yes, that um, was something. It's it's how I felt. I love the Muppets, but how I felt on the Muppets episode. I was editing this. Or Russell and Dustin, as they're just waxing poetic <laughs> about all these things. I'm like, man, I sound joyless in this. I love the movie, but you guys are just like small It's like children. our favorite thing. <laughs> so excited for everything. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's true. All right, it's superlative time, and this is a really fun part of the show. Of all the movies we watched this year, let's kick this off. Best director, our newest host to join us this year at the round table is Dustin. So Dustin, take this first. Best director. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go in this direction because we actually didn't mention the movie at all it, based on like where it was in the tier list. Um, I'm going to go with Francis Ford Coppola for Apocalypse Now. Oh, okay, yeah. Is that the redo? No, I don't know which version I watched. I know I didn't watch the same version as the other guys. I had a couple choices here, and I was just thinking uh, of, and I'm not going to go back into my analysis of the movie, but of, of turning what that story is uh, and and making it as compelling as it was, I think. And I remember on like one of the first couple episodes, I ended up asking you, Russell, like, how do I tell who's a good director? And you like gave me advice. So I'm gonna go with like what Francis Ford Coppola's vision was for what this movie and how it like how the story sold was amazing. Even though the final product I didn't actually like give a very high ranking to, I, I think that's what I'm gonna go with as far as impact on final product. Coppola for Apocalypse Now. That's a very good choice. It's, this is not my sweet spot at all in the military. It's funny. When we started this, I was like, I'm not, I don't like Westerns and romances. And there's certain things that I, I'm going to do it all. And they, it's funny as things have shuffled around and I've come to realize it's like, I think, you know, maybe that war military spectrum is probably one of the ones that I have the hardest time with. But I was drawn to this movie. And I think a lot of it has to do with Ford Coppola. So that's a great choice. Chad, best director. So I don't know how to pronounce his last name. Fry can help me out, or Russell, you were on the episode. I think it's Cindy, Sydney Lumet for Lumet. 12 Angry Men. It's just Lumet. Lumet. Oh, okay, Lumet. so not French. Sydney Lumet, 12 Angry Men. I've, I've talked about it already. I just thought this was a masterpiece, and it was masterfully directed. It's very hard to do a good job of keeping everybody's attention, and in one room, face shots and just enormous amounts of dialogue and you're right he built that tension up it's it's a it's thrilling it's 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 an amazing movie it's it's an amazing success of of less is more 
that's even that that's from an aesthetic standpoint like not to gush too much about this movie but it combines the successful nature of a movie like Blair Witch or Devil or Phone Booth where you have very low cost in terms of setting with the fact that it's actual impactful plot. Is this one yours as well, uh, Brian? Oh, uh, my, no, no. My best director was Martin Scorsese. I can't believe we haven't talked about The Departed yet, but because my my superlatives are so loaded toward uh, The Departed. The Departed is the closest thing I've ever seen to a 100% complete movie. It is so difficult to find a flaw with that film. I, I give directorship credit hardcore to Scorsese for that. I agree with you. Russell does not. He gave it a 20. But yeah, it's it, that's fantastic. And that was probably my number two. I, I know I liked it. It's just this we do good movies. So it's 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 tough to battle over each other. It, it is a good movie. Uh, and it's well directed as well. So my best director was the movie that we selected as the best movie this year as a group. And it's The Exorcist. And that's William Friedkin. He's a madman. He mistreats his actors. But you can't argue with the results. He might know something that we don't know. Fire guns off behind your actors' heads. Uh, you know, uh, give them spinal injuries by yanking them too hard on their supports and constantly slap people, you know, just to get them to be shaky and stuff like that. It, it's, it's really extreme, and I, I feel bad for endorsing this, but the results speak for themselves. The Exorcist is a very well-made movie, and I believe it elevated the entire genre up for generations to come. So big impact and he played the game at a very high level when people weren't playing it at a at that necessarily that high of a level yeah it's getting 70s horror nominated for academy awards is an accomplishment that speaks for itself i love what he did with the the exorcist uh if i if i can just add in the caveat I don't know what the full opinion of Retro Movie Roundtable is, but from at least your newest host, Dustin, I'm going to go with fewer guns on set, please. Um, thinking about like Baldwin in the year 2021. We don't need it. Yeah. yeah. We don't need, don't, don't abuse your actors, period. Do not physically harm them, intimidate them or otherwise. Yeah. And, and Brandon Lee too. Uh, if, you know, that didn't go so well for him. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um, best cast. Now this is an ensemble cast. So top to bottom, this is a this is an ensemble award, Dustin. Um, well, I, you asked me first, but I, I'm wondering if I'm going to beat Brian to it. It's The Departed, uh, the ensemble cast. Absolutely. Brian has his eyebrows high and he's nodding his head lightly. I will give a very, very emphatic second place. It's the only thing that I did a second place for was for Sunshine. Sunshine's so cast good. was phenomenal. And they work like, well together. You're right. That's a good like, point. The Departed got chops. And they were all worthy of it. And Sunshine's cast was so good. I mean, Chris Evans had a very compelling character in this before he was... This was four years before Captain America. Is this, is this his best acting performance? I think it is. I'm, I'm, I'm just... I think that it's why he's considered for a lot of the parts that he gets considered for. I think it's, it's definitely a positive toward his... His... Was he good in Knives Out? Yes. Yeah, he was great. Can't remember him being good or not. In it's it's more satirical, but yeah. Chad, best ensemble cast. 
this is probably cheating since they're a comedy troupe, but Monty Python and the Holy Grail. <laughs> that is yeah. very, yeah, that helps, I, yeah. I love the Python crew, and when they add it, they usually don't add women to their comedy, but they the female additions were also great contributors. So not only the normal crew, but the extras they bring in, loved it. I had a hard time. I, I had a lot of people, or a lot of movies, I should say, that, you know, 12 Angry Men was certainly a candidate. The Exorcist was t- great top to bottom. Pink Panther was really great inside and out on that one. But the Little Shop of Horrors, when that episode came around and I had to recast somebody, it's it's golden and it's hard to recast anybody. Little moments of characters that get like two lines are very good actors. People like Bill Murray and Christopher Guest are just popping in. John Candy. I mean, it's deep in terms of the, the talent level. They're all very funny, and they're playing off of each other so well, and they have to sing on, as well as be funny. So uh, Little Shop of Horrors gets my vote for best cast. My, what a strange and unusual-looking plant. <laughs> <laughs> best actor, Dustin. It's it's Leo, right? He's on our, he's on our list three times. Yeah. And Kevin Costner's on our list a lot, yeah. too. Right, but if I had to pick between them, and I'm no Kevin Costner like down player. I I like him too, Bri, But I'll downplay him. Uh, I'm gonna go with Leo here. I know you do, but you know what? He keeps coming up in stuff, Russ. I think you need to maybe reconsider that you're just wrong. I think he's in good <laughs> movies, but I think he's an average actor who met a certain physical set of traits that led him to being in movies at that time. Um, I think he was the right guy in the right place at the right time, but I don't know that he's like. I don't think he's a great actor. I mean, he got nominated for a Razzie and, and uh, Robin Hood there. And uh, I honestly thought his role in JFK was like, it was an ambitious movie, but I felt like it could have been played by other people as well. Does it seem like he's dumb? Me? And that the character... No, <laughs> no not Russell. <laughs> I mean, you said it, we didn't. Fry's like, yes, Russell's very dumb for that bad, dumb, dumb comment. He's a dumb, dumb, dummy head. <laughs> I hey, love hey, that hey, that's you, where hey, you went with it. I was like, hey, he shut said up something you, very hey, Brian, like, does it like, seem like Russell's extra dumb? out here. And then you were like, me? And I was like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> Chad's like, no, Fry's just... like, yeah, well, after that bad opinion. <laughs> Chad, no, best a- Chad, Chad, best actor. Best actor for me was Henry Fonda. I'm going back to 12 Angry Men one last time. His performance was captivating. It standing against the crowd and just being kind of the stage play. He doesn't have a whole lot to work with. There aren't props. There's not much of a set. And I was just thrilled the entire time. The close-ups where he's sweating, the nervous glances, everything. Just fascinating. Yeah. Now, Fry, you said you picked DiCaprio as well from The Departed, but... I did. Yeah. Uh, but but I would say that everything Chad said is 100% correct. I actually think that DiCaprio... This this should have been his his best actor nod. Uh, this or this should have been the one he won. <laughs> should it should have been one of them? He, uh, he's been... Well, he's been shafted a number of times. Yes. But uh, this is the one where I was like, are you kidding me? Like I, this, the the departed was a special movie and Mm -hmm. I understand that with the Godfather and other things like gangster movies are not unpopular with the uh, Academy, but this was one of those movies where I'm like, I don't know how you think 
I don't care to know how you think. And it, it, it just pushed me further and further away from whatever their opinion might be. And DiCaprio was my pick as well, so I'll just give a couple of nods for my... Some, I think you guys stated it well, so I, I had considered Martin Sheen in Apocalypse Now as my runner-up. In a movie with Martin Brandlow, he, he took over. He was awesome. Uh, Jason Miller in The Exorcist was great. I also had Peter Fonda as a candidate, Robert Redford in The Sting, and uh, Edward James Olmos in Stand and Deliver. These were some of the ones that stood out for me as runner-ups. So I'll even say that uh, Martin Sheen's character in The Departed was a very good one, too. Oh, I love it when we have the same actor appearing multiple times in the year. So, best actress. You know what, Fry? You've had your thunder stolen by Dustin a lot. Why don't you take this one first? You can go best actress first. I went with uh, Maddie Chung from uh, Hero. Yeah. Mm. Oh, and you stole his thunder. No, no. That was my choice in that episode. But, like, Maggie Chung, incredible in that movie. Okay. Every time I go back to Hero or House of Flying Daggers, we had talked about it briefly before the episode started. The mythology and folklore of Chinese culture is just gorgeous. And she personifies what makes it that beautiful. Nice. Yeah. Just hats off across the board on how well that went. Chad, best actress. I'm not a Nicole Kidman fan, but I have to give it to her for to die for she was absolutely incredible and maniacal and sinister and cold and just all over (laughs) all over the board yes yes because she changed her hair color but But she's also like charismatic and turns in the charm which is creepy that she can do it at a moment's notice yeah she is a true psychopath and it was awesome that's a great choice. I mean, I'm also not normally a Nicole Kidman fan, but boy, she was she was good in that one. So that's a great choice. Dustin, what about you? Uh, Nicole Kidman was my my runner up, and I want to at least I think we all know Frances McDormand's good, so I, I skipped I skipped Frances McDormand to go with Ellen Green as my best actress for that role, which I think will be hers forever. I believe when we did the episode, we talked about like. That question was posed. Would you want to see like a a reboot of this movie? And I said no. <clears throat> and I don't know if it could ever be taken away like that role, uh, her her portrayal of a, an odd type of character. I think it's the only bimbo character I've ever liked in a movie. To, to, to use that word, I don't like to use that word, but like it's it's a likable yeah. bimbo. Strange. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I'm going with Ellen Green. She deserves her her flowers. Yeah, and I I think it's interesting that you mentioned Frances McDormand. Uh, even though I didn't have Fargo ranked very high, I did. I picked Frances McDormand. I just think that there was something that I think she's why that movie is, you know, lauded and held up so high. I mean, it's just something so unexpected, and she's larger than life in it. And you know, she was awarded for it. So I did like Jean Tierney a lot in Laura. And uh, working girl Melanie Griffith was very good. And young actor Linda Blair was solid in The Exorcist, too. So these are some other ones that were just ruminating in my head. So best supporting actor on the year. Let's go with you, Dustin. Uh, Clifton Webb is Waldo Lydecker. Uh Just absolute in, in, in Laura. Just absolutely stole uh, every scene he was in. I, I read up a little bit about him because of that, that movie. I really don't know if I can stumble through the words to describe just how, I don't know, surprised or just 
pleasantly encaptured by just the quick wit of the and, and sometimes it's like oh that's just a well-written character or sometimes it's it was just delivered perfectly and i think in this case it was both yeah he was very sharp in his performance on that one chad what about you what's, what's your best supporting actor Matthew Lillard as Stu in Scream. I knew yeah. it. Yeah. Yo, little woozy, I, man. Yeah. My mom and dad are going to kill me. Yes. <laughs> they're they're going to be so mad at me. <laughs> yes. Oh, Danny DeVito was really, really close. But Matthew Lillard, man, he just, he's the best part of great movies that he's in and even bad movies. And... The character of Stu is so off the wall. I hope the fan theories are true. I hope he comes back for Scream 5. I don't even care how. Just please bring him back. Agreed. All right. Brian, best supporting actor? Um, This is why I was shaking my head at Dustin earlier. Uh, My best supporting is Edward James Olmos and Blade Runner. Um, His... His quiet participation in both sides of this movie was so compelling to me, not just in the fact that he was doing his job and thought he could do it better than Harrison Ford's, but he also understood what Harrison Ford was going through and ended up helping him in the end non-verbally. Like, everything that went through him was very well played from a, this is a guy you don't pay attention to, but he's the guy you should have been paying attention to. So my best supporting actor, I looked pretty hard at Gene Hackman and Get Shorty, Paul Newman in The Sting, Steve Martin in Little Shop of Horrors, and Lee J. Cobb in 12 Angry Men. But my pick's going to go to Peter Sellers from The Pink Panther. He ends up taking over the franchise. He is a supporting actor who ends up taking over the movie and kind of becoming you know the main guy in the movie even though it wasn't even his vehicle that's a hard thing to do to upstage a bigger actor at the time and david niven and he's just brilliant he's physically funny his delivery is very sharp and he's calculated and he's he's a very good comedian uh, both in how he deals with things with seriousness and deadpan working but being very goofy very physical and so i i am a comedy fan and i think peter sellers is doing it in high form here so that's a great choice yeah uh best supporting actress dustin uh i'm actually gonna take our guest's choice from the titanic podcast which was kathy bates um in her role uh, I'll just say to all of our listeners, listen to the Titanic episode with me and Nathan and listen to our wonderful guests analysis there. Yeah. And also listen to the rat race episode and don't forget to buy a squirrel. <laughs> Chad, best supporting actress. Am I allowed to count Janet Lee in Psycho? She's the main actress at the top build person, isn't she? So I'm going with that. Without her, we don't get the impact of Drew Barrymore in Scream. It's clearly the same type of influence of so janet lee was my pick i'm gonna have a question for mine as well when the time rolls around fry what about you the best supporting actress that makes me think you that makes me think your pick is miss piggy so would you consider ellen green a supporting role for uh for best supporting actress in little shop of horror because that's who i'm i I think i want to pick here she deserves the credit however you get it to her but i wouldn't call her supporting Okay. I'd be okay with it because we need to talk more about that movie, but I would have been okay if you'd said the Audrey 3000 too. 
Audrey 3000? Outcast? Not Andre 2000. Not Andre 4000. Ellen Green is my pick here because her vocal delivery, her performance, as Dustin pointed out earlier when he picked her for her best actress, was great. And if you don't call that a supporting role, then that's fine. I think, the, I think Capucine from Pink Panther was also very funny, very beautiful, and she, she was really good playing off of Peter Sellers in that, as, as well as David Niven. So underappreciated on that one. And uh, also Rita Montoro, or Moreno, as Anita in West Side Story. She was awesome. Yes, she was great. Fry? I think what I'm going to go with this is uh, Michelle Yeoh from Sunshine. Uh, I do feel like she had a little bit of a deeper dive than some of the other actors and actresses that were in that film. Her point is the the botanist was very compelling. Yep, that's a great pick. And now one of, I considered that one as well. Now this is, this is a fun one. Sexiest female performance from Retro Movie Roundtable this year. Now this is only the movies we watched on the podcast this year justin lead the way this was the most fun category to think about i'll tell you that um but my my number one i think i have to go with is sharon stone in the quick and the dead mm. yeah i like it that's keep in mind Thought about i'm down that. here in texas that's how i like my women y'all that that's a great quick pick. and dead <laughs> 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 she she was quick and living though yes yeah, all right was. all right uh Chad. <laughs> Quick and dead. Yes, Chad. Sexiest female. <laughs> this is an odd one because, you know, she she was not dressed in a sexy manner or anything, but I, I still have to go with Rose Byrne in Sunshine. She's just oh. a beautiful woman. Yeah. You know, they, they are not playing that card here. She's, she's there At to all. do a great job, and I appreciate that, but she is just, she's beautiful. Yep. That's a nice I- choice thousand percent agree with you yeah. uh, so rose was actually my my runner-up uh, i'm gonna go with nicole kidman for to die for because i know that's what they were going for yep oh no nope, nope i actually find N- nicole kidman is one of the most dangerous looking women i've ever seen yes like, she looks like if, a praying mantis yeah <laughs> if, if, if it if it comes down to it like she's not my type at all but i understand what they go for with that and so i i give it its due diligence well she's she's supposed to be an irresistible type beauty in that movie like it yeah i i see it this was a tough one obviously the entire scream cast gets a shout out like that was a movie that had like five beautiful women in it or four four or five anyway and um i gotta make chad groan by at least considering tanya roberts is was a close call here I understand. Oh, I figured you were going to go, oh. The movie was bad, but there are are a lot of beautiful women in bad Bond movies. Yeah. (laughs) And the Pink Panther also was another one where two women in that were really beautiful as well. And uh, But I've got to go with the mysterious, sultry Jean Tierney from Laura. Yeah, beautiful. For a second, I thought you were going to say Jeanine Garofalo. You know, I like Janine at that era, so I mean, uh, that that also is up my... I like a lot of things. I don't know what to tell you, so... Um. All ears, Russ. <laughs> now, because our audiences might be male or female or different... Diff- you know, we, it's time to pick the sexiest male. People laugh at this segment a lot, but we're going in anyway. Dustin, sexiest male. This was my second favorite category to do. Uh, I'm I'm going to do 
my answer here is uh, I had several choices, but mine mine is uh, George Shakiris as Bernardo in West Side Story, because oh. that was that was uh, what I'm doing here is I'm like reminding myself of like how I used to feel like I looked or dressed, um, and so like that's that dude as a young Latino heartthrob, very cool, uh, and so he's my he's my sexiest male. They seem way cooler than the opposing gang. I will give you that they for are. sure. Yeah. Uh, yes. Now, see, Chad, your choice here: sexiest male character from Retro Movie Roundtable 2021. I had a much easier time with this one than I did with the sexiest female. Yeah, Chris <laughs> Evans. He's a handsome man. I'm going back to Sunshine. This is a great looking cast. You yeah. could have picked just about anyone from this cast. It is a he, lot of pretty people. It is a lot of pretty people. Even over George Clooney, Chris Evans, you win. All right. And Brian. I actually went Sunshine as well, but a different direction. It's uh, um, Harakiri Sonata. The captain. Yeah. Oh. I, I actually think he's a very handsome man. I, I agree. It just, yeah. it's, it's one of those things where, like, whether it's uh, uh, Last Samurai. He or plays Sunshine, my favorite character in Last Samurai. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's just one of those things where I'm like, you are a handsome man, sir. Yeah. Well done. Fry shakes your hand and says, good job. Making the world look better. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, Mary Curry Sonata. Yeah. And mine is a double performance, double helping of Harrison Ford. He did Working Girl and Blade Runner. And so you get the rugged, tough side, but you also get the, uh, the more sensitive, understanding side at the same time. You can have both with Harrison Ford. <laughs> Russell says, I love you. Harrison Ford says, I know. Yeah, I know. And in a year with no Indiana Jones, I might add, we got to fix that and finish the trilogy off next year. So, biggest thrill, Dustin. This movie also was not mentioned in our rundown, which is why I'm going with it among my list. It is when Tetsuo begins to transform, and I won't say more, towards the ending of Akira. It's an animated movie, so it didn't qualify for most of the stuff we were doing. When that happens is thrilling and terrifying on a scale that can't really be done without the animation part of it. So if, if, if you haven't seen it, transformation is all I'm going to say. Because yeah. it's, it's wild. And if you have seen it, you need to check out the South Park Trapper Keeper episode. Ugh. We gross. are Trapper Keeper. <laughs> what are you doing, Cal? My backup, my backup was uh, in Fargo when uh, Grimsrude, uh, played by um, Stormar, uh, when he finally goes like hunter killer mode after being in the car with Steve Buscemi for so long. That's an awesome thrill as well. Yeah, you knew he had that in him uh, for sure. Chad, biggest thrill. We didn't really talk about. Fry's dealer's choice, the international. But you know what? The shootout in the Guggenheim was awesome the rest of the movie didn't quite live up to that scene but i i was there for that that's a great choice oh wow well i did i picked another direction which is good for listening so um i'm gonna go with psycho as 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 they enter the bates house that overlooks the motel that's a very intense scene i won't say more than that but i am at the edge of my seat in that so Fry, this is your territory. That's why I saved it for you for last. This is your, you know, you like the thrilling movies and the action movies the most. What's your biggest thrill? I I also put up Guggenheim. A Guggenheim shootout. <laughs> I uh, 
I, I feel like that is still like the reason I put up that movie was was two part one that it's a visual feast and two that when it does have an exclamation point it is a very very heavy exclamation point and the Guggenheim really sums up that movie in terms of where where it really lands it's that movie's most poignant moment and the reason it was my dealer's choice so yeah most certainly. I mean, it's it's up there with one of my favorite shootouts of all time. I mean, I think I think that's always going to be reserved for all the bullet time that they did in the Matrix. But I mean, it it is up there for me. Winter Soldier on the overpass uh, is. Oh, so I love good. that too. Yeah, I love that too. Yeah. Now, biggest laugh, Fry. Why don't we do this one first for you? Because this is a hard one for you. You can take this one first. Biggest <laughs> <Yeah>. laugh. <laughs> uh, it's it's the rabbit in Monty Python. <laughs> like Just i know it's classic body. like i get it but it, it is that because it's it it's dark and messed up man rabbit just gnawing people's freaking uh beast of uh, <laughs> i told you like, i told you like there, you made chad a very happy man oh there there are pieces of that movie that i love dearly it's not the whole movie but it, there are pieces of that movie where i'm like there's Somebody in the writing of this gets me. It's not all of you. It's some of you. <laughs> and I, I love knowing that they're there. Cher- I, like che- I like Fry Cherry picking his laughs with the Monty Python crew chat. Says, no, all of it's good. But um, yes. biggest laugh, Dustin. Uh, so for mine, uh, there's the absolute biggest laugh. And then there's the line that I think was the cleverest, uh, which was not uttered as a joke. <clears throat> it was... In the newspaper uh, for, I believe, Runaway Bride, uh, the headline or the the front page says, "Hardware honey goes nuts and bolts." (laughs) I knew that was coming. It's the it's the best comedic line I think in that whole movie, and maybe that I've seen uh, written. Anyway, uh, that being aside, the biggest actual laugh for me is when Lancelot is running at Castle Swamp with the timpani drums, and it happens over and over and over. Uh, I fell on the ground laughing this time, as I do every time. It's just great. <laughs> yes. And my biggest laugh is going to go to the Pink Panther scene where David Niven is hiding in a hotel room that he shouldn't be in after leaving his hotel room, which has an, has other funny things that I shouldn't say too much going on to it. And Peter Sellers is a bumbling idiot stumbling through, and Capucine is trying to hide who's hiding in her hotel room. So they dash around from behind curtains, under bed, in baths, on balconies, and they're rotating between these two hotel rooms, and all the characters are unaware of each other for the most part, and they have conflicting goals. It's very Marx Brothers-esque, and it's very, very, very funny, and it just keeps going on and building, and like they play more and more cards off of each other. I didn't... I think it was rewarding because I hadn't seen this movie before we did it this year. So when we got to it, it was just like, wow, this is great. That was a great scene. And I went to the Pink Panther well as, uh, in addition. So I went with the car chase scene. You know, I, I'm, I'm dumb. I'm stupid. You put a gorilla in a car at one point or chasing a car. I, I will be up for it. And that is probably the hardest I've laughed. At. I'm not usually a laugh out loud person. I look, go see a movie with Fry. It's so much better. His laugh is great, and it makes me laugh. But this this made me laugh out loud quite a bit. All right, now this is a this is a sad award. We have to give these out. But what movie didn't hold up over time? Why don't we start with you, Dustin? 
Runaway Bride uh, doesn't hold up at all. It's the butterfly clips in the hair that bothered you in that episode, How right? Dare you? That's huge. Um, <clears throat> the print media doesn't hold up. The relationship between um, the the man and woman, the the like interaction between those two is is poor. The uh, the use of alcoholism as a joke set up to move forward the plot is uh, abhorrent. Um, there's a lot that's bad, and <laughs> I know I know I was mostly positive for that movie, but that movie really doesn't hold up at all. Wow, okay, yeah, so the army of Gary Marshall fans, of which there are many, are a little upset right now, but Chad, if anybody's good at doing this one, what's, what's it going to be for you? <laughs> now is my time to shine and destroy your childhood memories. Flight of the Navigator was terrible. It was terrible when you saw it as a child. It's terrible as an adult now. It's dated effects, bad acting, and painful dialogue. Your movie is terrible. Wow. Go off, he, King. Man, he he was he that was that was fast, furious, and he I came love how hot. succinct it was. It was super like This like, is the moment he'd been waiting cut, for all cut. night long of all the things. <laughs> Yeah. All right. Can we well. can we edit in like a like a hip hop track behind him? <laughs> do you ever see Did you ever see the movie The Hunted where Benicio del Toro like cuts all your organs in one swift motion before the finishing move? That's that's what just <laughs> happened. just happened to Flight of the Navigator by Chad. My goodness, eviscerated entrails everywhere. All right, Brian, what movie didn't hold up for you? You do a kill. I oh, I, I still oh, it I, hurts. I I still can't believe <laughs> how weak that movie is. Going back and watching it again, like I I instinctively shy away from uh, Roger Moore Bond movies just based on the the Overwatch factor of my childhood and the fact that I like other Bonds better. But dude, going back and watching it again, I'm just like ah. He can't articulate the angers there, though. Oh, man. It's it's the Peter Griffin just repeated holding your knee going, ah. It is. It is. And and, and that movie had so much promise. Like, there were (laughs) actors and actresses in that movie that could have been great, but that movie was mm, suspect. Yeah, Grace Jones was like fourth runner up for my sexiest female tune. That's no, dude, that's fine. Like, Christopher Walken is a villain fantastic i'm all for it but that movie was man that was a kick in my crotch i have to go after that that's hard i mean i gotta catch my breath here that that hurt jfk was my choice for this one i thought that this movie got a lot of accolades i i I, this is not a popular opinion but i i think oliver stone films might be overrated and and this one was really long and i just the whole conspiracy that it was being based on is like they, we gave a whole movie to something that was so shaky to begin with. And it, they went out and got tons of actors and a lot of people wanted to be in this. And I just got to say when, after aging it a long time, I don't feel, I feel like this one got blown up at the time. It just seemed like it was a collection of big names at the time. And I don't know that this is necessarily got the clout that it was rated to have at the time. So this is, for me, the essence of didn't hold up over time. For me. I'll sign off on the Oliver Stone opinion. Yep. Oh, wow. I have, I have company there. I'm not against it. Uh, yeah, I think, it's the, I think it's consensus, y'all. Oh. Wow. I did not. I expected yeah. to be on an island on this one. 
No, I no, I'm not against it. I I think that most of my enjoyment of this movie is the fact that when they made it, it was posting a separate opinion, not one that I agree with, but just you know, they they made this movie as a addendum to a point in time. Yeah. Now, best new discovery. What this means is it's a movie you had not seen prior to coming to it on Retro Movie Roundtable this year. Dustin, why don't you take this one first? I don't know if I'll be alone with this one, but uh, I specifically I wrote down Sunshine, parenthesis, particularly the cast. Just uh, blew me away. Yeah, we, we mentioned the ensemble cast earlier being a really a good choice for you. That's a great choice. I mean, I, I was clamoring to see it, so that was, that was high. I got high marks for me, too. Fry, why don't you take this one next? What was your best new discovery this year? Just based on the fact that what it drudged up in terms of what I've been doing recently, watching recently, and reading recently, I went with a long goodbye on this. Like, it really was a changer for my year. Like, just what I was going after, and I've got to give it a nod for that. Nice. Okay, yeah. Chad, best new discovery. I mean, given the amount of crow I've had to eat on this one, it has to be 12 Angry Men. It was my number one movie after not wanting to see it and being angry at Brian for choosing it. Other standouts, Pink Panther, Stand and Deliver, Muppets Christmas Carol was new to me, Get Shorty, Silverado, and Sunshine. It was a great... Zero crow for me. It was a great year for me to get introduced to a lot of these movies, and a lot of them are choices that other people made for me. And I might have even been irritated at the time, but hey, these wound up great. I was glad to be introduced to them. Absolutely. We did a lot of Oliver Stone this year. Yeah. We, yeah. we, we could, we could uh, slow down on that in the future. <laughs> <laughs> you, you hear that, guess? Please stop. Yeah. <laughs> Somebody's about to come to us with a, I got a three Oliver Stone shortlist for you. Alexander. <laughs> and I will be on vacation that week. <laughs> yeah and so uh for me my best uh new discovery movie was 12 angry men as well but like chad i really enjoyed catching a number of movies for the first time this year including working girl sunshine out of towners the sting silverado out of sight star trek 6 really was one of the better ones of, of that series to die for was a surprise hit for me and the international was, I mean, like I said, I think Chad put it well. That there's uneven moments, but boy, when it's good, it's good. The Adjustment Bureau, I mean, these were all new ones to me. There were a few other new ones in there as well, but uh, this was a good year for me. This is why I do this podcast, to spend time with my best friends talking about movies and learning to appreciate movies at a higher level, but also to discover the great movies out there and why they're great. And um, it was a very rewarding year for, for the podcast. So. That's a nice way to put that. Uh, I, I want to say, I didn't realize that two of you had never seen 12 Angry Men before. Clearly, Brian, you knew its impact. Oh, and yeah. As I it's... mentioned, it has been a part, like, I, I, I watched it in high school, and, you know, I, I was a former career of mine. I was in criminal justice for 12 years. So when it comes to jurists, and when it comes to, like, like what goes on behind the scenes at the courtroom, like, like there's things that, like, 12 Angry Men already made its impact on me 20 years ago. 
So, like, had I had you been talking to sixteen-year-old Dustin, maybe it would have been our consensus number one pick because of how high I would have ranked it. It's just, it's as like I said, you know, an hour ago, it's lessons that already been imprinted on me. Okay. No, I I grew up with two lawyers, so it was one of those things. That, <laughs> yeah, that it was, was required reading. Um, <laughs> I did a lot of John Grisham in my youth, um, <laughs> but uh, no, I completely agree with you and and the fact that that chad and russell had their you know their moments with this like that's awesome because it was it it it, it is it is an impactful movie it's something everyone should see yeah yeah i i really appreciate the scheduling conflict that was forced upon chad by the uh, brian was about to have a baby like he got that episode out right before baby came out it was just like he got done recording 12 angry men and boom he had his first baby not him his wife did but still like i mean and 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 then and then fry also had some difficult conflicts so their mis chad's misfortune was my fortune so thank you for dropping that one in my lap that was great (laughs) i was sad to miss out on that one i love the reaction though like chad chad messaged me real quick like this movie's great and i was like yeah (laughs) and i hadn't seen it at that point either because like i was kind of coming in i I had a lot of homework to do quick i was just like man i gotta i gotta bring my a game fast on this one and then i I got into this was i watched it was just like oh this is a this is an unexpected treat oh i listened to that episode pretty much as soon as it was released and I was waiting for the rankings. I'm like, don't screw this up, Russell. Don't screw this up. And he said five stars. I'm like, ah, oh, okay. It's, it's phenomenal, man. I can't sleep tonight. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Now, this is a fun one to do. Most improved. So this is a movie you did see before Retro Movie Roundtable this year, but you like it more now. Dustin. I'm going to compare this to uh, Brandon Ingram, the NBA player uh, out of Duke who was like a number two overall pick and then won the most improved player the next year is that if a movie's already good and then like it gets skyrocketed to being great, like it seems like most improved should be reserved for something that's like, uh, okay. And now it's better. So for me, it's weird to say that the most improved by rewatching was scream my number one movie. I already knew it was good. I didn't realize it was perfect. Great choice. That's a Chad, great answer. I don't think that's possible for you because you already held it in the highest of high regard. Chad, do you have a, a most improved? I honestly considered Scream as well because there's just, I've watched it so many times, but everything happening in the background, Invasion of the Body Snatchers is another one where there's just a lot going on. Technically for me, I expected a view to a kill to be in my bottom five. It made it to number 35, so I guess I've got to give it a little bit of a bone. It's still one of my least favorite Bond movies, but it didn't wind up being the worst of my wow. list. <laughs> Dustin's answer is the right answer, though. Scream is perfection. Fry kicked me in the crotch earlier by picking it to the whole, Didn't Hold Up Over Time award for him. That's a nice pack for my, uh, my sore crotch. Oh, it's, it's still bad. <laughs> there just happen to be 11 worst movies. Stop mentioning crotch. Crotch. More words. Crotch. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Anyway, um, Brian, what is your most improved? You know, I want Beauty and the Beast on this, not because there was anything wrong with it in the first place, but because it was the first time I had watched it since I was a child. Man, you want to talk about falling in love with a movie that is basically impervious to criticism? That's a lovely thing. It's yeah. it's such a beautiful movie. And 
if anything, it's more bringing it back around to my intention and or, uh, attention, and then also being excited to expose my daughter to it. Yeah, that was that was a great episode. It was so heartwarming hearing Fry warm up to this movie. I'm like, I was so I was so worried. <laughs> Those were, I think I think it's, it's I think a gorgeous two of them have been mentioned that were were bore mine, and I was waffling between the two. But you guys took them both. I mean, Scream Scream was one that. Mary did not really enjoy my wife. I think I liked it, but I didn't necessarily fully appreciate it. It, it rewatches very well. Like it plays over and over again. In fact, I think you can appreciate things upon further rewatches that you didn't oh, get the first no. time. And I, I, I need to keep going with the series. I've only seen the first one and uh, I, I'm interested again because it's kind of rekindled my interest on this one. It, it is, it is very good. And then like Brian mentioned, I, keep going away from beauty and the beast for large chunks of time but i always fall in love with it again like they i've seen it in broadway format i've seen the the remake with emma watson uh the live action version every time i get reintroduced or every time it gets put in front of me again i i have this like wow that's great and why have i not watched it in i don't know five six years or whatever and it's 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 funny how it just keeps making you i don't know (laughs) forget how good it is it's timeless. It really is timeless. It is truly timeless. It just keeps playing well for me at every age. Sometimes you think, like Dustin said, like, oh, I've, I've learned that lesson and I've moved on. But then you come back to it and you go like, ah, oh, it's so good still. So I think Beauty and the Beast gets points for just keeping it alive for me. Agreed. Most fun episode you had to record this year, which is no indication of the quality of the movie. You just had fun that episode. It might have been a great guest. You might have had a good meal beforehand. Yeah, and it just might have been... What you know, this is a fun one like to go back and listen to. What one did you have the most fun recording, Dustin? Uh, my previous answers might not have indicated this, but my most fun to record was Runaway Bride. It's a good episode, I uh, listened <laughs> to it not so long ago. It was awesome with Chad and his wife Sarah. Uh, it was it was so much fun, and I don't know what it is. There's a small percentage of it knowing that as much as positive as I can be that I was also kind of just being a snake in the grass for an hour and 20 minutes before I could come out and be like, all right, y'all, this was bad. Let's talk about it. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, no, that was, that, was a, that was a great time, and hopefully you'll have her on again. She was a great guest. Yeah, she's afraid of being wrong on the internet, whereas I am wrong on, on a regular basis. <laughs> yeah. I, we should keep track of how many names I mispronounced throughout the year. It's an embarrassing amount. Dustin corrected me gently a lot of the times. But yeah, I'm gonna, I'm <laughs> yeah. gonna keep doing. And kudos it. to Fry. I forget uh, who was you. You said it was your sexiest male selection this year. I was just like, wow, bold pick to even go into pronouncing that. Like if that had been my pick, I would have just gone on to runner I, I up. Probably, and it been I, like uh, somebody with w- the name of Smith. With, with all due respect, I probably butchered it. So if I did, please understand that I was saying you're sexy. <laughs> whatever your name is uh, yeah we're talking to the guy who mispronounces his co-host name this year yes oh no on purpose <laughs> i'm kidding yeah that was on a running bit <laughs> on purpose several episodes dustin Melardius. i actually spent dustin... one episode like working it out i was like what how will i do it this time so yeah i was dustin uh, melbrand with you and then uh russell when we were even just pitching me coming on the show you were like uh, Mel Bard Almonius? It was rough. Yeah. I, I was toying around with the, uh... <laughs> at least mine were like Melbourne. Like I, I was going like with real words. Yeah. <laughs> the most fun episode this year to record 
Chad. I loved so many of my episodes, but I think for me, because it was a horror movie, because it was early on and Dustin was Mr. I'm not going to give a five star. I don't give out five stars. (laughs) And to hear it turn and Brian was on it as well. And we're just quoting the movie. It's so quotable and just basking in the perfection that is scream. That's probably my favorite. That's just, that is me stewing in perfection of horror. And I was so happy at the end. I did a touchdown sign when Dustin's like, you know what? (laughs) Fine. Five stars. I'm like, yes. It earned it. Now, Brian, what was your most fun you had recording this year? One of my favorite things to do professionally is to introduce people to something that changes like coffee. their lives. Uh, Congratulations, <laughs> here's an addiction. <laughs> but uh, but uh, for me, it was 12 Angry Men. Like the, the fact that you guys took as much away from it as you did, like that's, that's the reason I do what I do. I mean, everything... I watch a thousand turds to find you know five good ones and it's important to me to have that ability to say look this is this is where it's worth it this is where putting your time in which is always precious at our age putting your time in on this is not worthless that is something that's a point of pride for you for i've noticed that with your dealer's choices and everything like you are you've seen more movies than i think the three of us combined like you're you're definitely the most watched Of, of all three of us so that doesn't surprise me that that's your answer you definitely like the staff picks the hidden gems and the and the ones that oh you didn't know about this i'm here to tell you something that's that's such a nice sentiment i do this because i have problems saying no to <laughs> russell <laughs> um my most fun that i had this year uh kind of a two-part the first one is the 007 movie countdown i know i'm broken record that's just what i love and uh, i love a countdown and i love 007 so it was kismet and it's a super long episode but i had a blast on that one and um so but in terms of the actual movies that we did little shop of horrors was just so much fun i think i got into it because i watched it i I introduced this movie to my dad who is a dentist oddly enough and uh, the steve martin character cracked him up in it and so he had a lot of fun with it and he was kind of like how did i miss this and so i think there was some enjoyment of going back to it i had a lot of fun on the episode i love a musical and i love a comedy and i had a really fun time with dj was one of our great guests he's been on a number of times and he was great that time as well so it's just it was just a really good episode so i would recommend to go back and listen to a little shop of horror yeah dj was good and i I was so glad to we made that work i actually like found time out of my work day i was like you guys leave me alone i need two and a half hours to go talk about this awesome movie from 1986 nope shut up i'm leaving all right and then uh the president of the company was like what are you doing in there i was like yeah podcast give it a listen yeah yeah (laughs) bold move i like i like it all right i lied to him and said it was a sports podcast i had to get on his good side (laughs) it's a podcast about managing resorts <laughs> yep. <laughs> of which there are, uh, and I have no interest in this. And this particular episode's about how if you have a man-eating plant, that is no place for that in a resort, because it will eat all of your <laughs> no, guests. No. <laughs> all right. So, who wants to help me pick a movie for next time? Hmm. Let's see. Probably Dustin. Dustin. I'm ready. We're gonna do the new retro. These are the newly inducted movies under our ten-year rule. 
these are movies from 2012 that are now officially deemed as retro because we are the official board of what is retro here at Retro Movie Roundtable. Ten years. The Dark Knight Rises from 2012. Eight years after Joker's reign of anarchy, Batman, with the help of the enigmatic Catwoman, is forced from his exile to save Gotham City from a brutal guerrilla terrorist Bane. Option two. The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey from 2012. A reluctant hobbit, Bilbo Baggins, sets out to the lonely mountain with a spirited group of dwarves to reclaim their mountain home and with the gold within it from the dragon Smog. And option three, Act of Valor from 2012. An elite team of Navy SEALs embark on a covert mission to recover a kidnapped CIA agent. Kind of can't believe it's been... 10 years, so I, I guess we're going to do The Hobbit. It was an unexpected choice for an unexpected journey. An unexpected journey. <laughs> right, and we have all had a fun unexpected journey this year. Thank you guys so much. Dustin, anything you want to tell the people before we close the books on this year? Yeah, hey, I really appreciate you all uh, welcoming me in and learning my last name, uh, but we're actually going to switch it up for 2012, and you can call me Dustin Champion. All right, Chad, what about you, man? I just enjoy doing this. We had such a tough time last year. We got into a good groove this year. We hit a lot of movies. There's a lot of new stuff. So I'm excited to continue into the new year. We finally get into the world of Lord of the Rings. And I just look forward to your guys' dealer's choices, the challenges that come with all of those, and seeing what you're passionate about. So I look forward to those the most. All right, Fry. For all you literary listeners, I will continue <laughs> to champion your place in in film. Uh, we also have Harry Potter coming up here not too uh, too long from now, so uh, I will continue to be your voice on the podcast. And keep reading. <laughs> Retro book and keep reading. is coming. And keep all reading. Right. And I just look forward to it's been really exciting. For those who don't know, like the show grew a lot this year. Like the number of downloads went up and, you know, the number of people reaching out to us has gone up and it's been a lot of fun. It's been fun to see it grow and uh, it's fun to just see the show blossom and it's really fun to do it with you guys. So I'm just enjoying, you know, getting on every other week or every week or just with my best friends and talking movies and having a good time and making me love the movies that I love all the more. So thank you. Everybody for listening. Remember all the Lords, Ladies, and Knights of the Retro Movie Roundtable. We invite you to reach out to us. We want to hear from you. So please do rate and review us on iTunes. Like that's the number one place that's going to help the podcast get noticed. So there's people who love movies and they like podcasts, but they don't know what to listen to. And if you go and rate this, it'll help connect them to the Retro Movie Roundtable. And that's the number one thing you can do to help us out. And it's free. Even if you don't have an Apple account, just use your email. You can make one. It's really easy. Big help. Give us a like on Facebook, follow us on Twitter at movie underscore retro, and email us at retromovieroundtable at yahoo.com. As always, thank you for listening. Be good to each other and watch more movies. Brian? You've proven you can rule yourself. Now you must learn to rule others, something that none of your ancestors learned. <laughs>